0: That Quail Robert by Margaret Stanger, Hodder and Stoughton, 1966, Chapter 10, Just the Two of Us. Now, Father, as I was uh, reading Isaiah tonight, I'm just reminded that you uh, declare yourself as the creator, the maker, the potter, the one who forms out of the clay, which you will. That we don't look to you and say, what have you done? But uh, we worship you and tell you that you are good and right to, for all that you've made and all that you have raised up leaders and others to do uh, to accomplish your purposes. So, Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done. May we delight in being under your authority. In Jesus' name, amen. It is often said that you cannot really know a person until you live with him or travel with him. I am sure this applies to animals as well as to human beings, and I am doubly sure that it is true of quails. Much of her charm and many of her enchanting things Many of the enchanting things she did were reserved for times when we were by ourselves. I would expect this to be true, as indeed it was. Of her periods of showing affection, getting on my shoulder and rubbing against my neck with little coos of endearment, but I was a little surprised by the game. She usually entertained herself well, or busied herself when I was working, but at times she wanted to be amused. This most often happened over a bit of lettuce. Instead of eating it, she would come running to me, holding the lettuce in her beak. Then, pushing against my ankle with her tail and looking up at me with a real gleam in her eye, she let me know that she wanted to play chase me. I usually stopped what I was doing and bending over her, saying, I'll get you, I'll get you, would start the chase. Off she would run with me after her, across the kitchen, through the living room, across the hall, and through the bedroom back to the kitchen. Round and round we went, sometimes for as long as five minutes. Sometimes I doubled back on her and met her face to face in the hall, at which point she would break to a stop, pivot in a flash, and reverse the path. It was definitely a game. If she had been trying to get away from me, all she had to do would uh, was disappear under a table or a bed. The chase continued until she was tired, at which time, gulp, gulp, the lettuce was swallowed and the game was over. If she chose to play while we were at the table, she would run around the surface and in and out of spaces between sugar and cream, around vegetable dishes, but never leaving the table. I often wish the visitors might see this. However, I think the reason they did not is plain. Robert wanted to play when she was a bit bored. When guests were there, she was so engrossed with them, or perhaps so satisfied with the attention she was receiving, that nothing else was necessary. Once the game resulted in an anguished, sleepless night for me, I had been sewing, putting a binding on a blue, on a baby bib. I had snipped off a two-inch piece of bias binding, and it was red. As quick as a wink, Robert was off with it, with me after her. I could still see that outstretched head with a banner of red tape flying in the breeze, whether because the tape was heavier than a bit of lettuce or for some other reason, the game was abruptly abandoned. Within a minute, to my consternation, she stopped, and with about three bobs of her head, she swallowed the tape. This happened after supper, just before her bedtime. I gave her a little less wild rice than usual that night, all the V8 juice she wanted, and worried. That was really a bad night for me. Tommy was an ocean away, and there was no one I could turn to for professional advice about a quail. The next morning, I went through the two big droppings with a toothpick. Nothing. I watched her carefully that day, telling two callers what had happened. They must have been concerned too, or at least interested, and sorry for me, because shortly after they had left, I received a telephone call from a very elderly lady whom I did not know. She said she had heard about the bias binding and told me just what could be done. It did not come for me. She had been brought up on a farm and said that she had often held hands who were suffering from crop bind. There was nothing to it. She had watched her mother slit the bulging crop with a razor, remove the obstruction, which might be a bit of fine wire, a pebble, or even a packed wad of feathers. Hair balls I had heard of, but not feather balls. She tried to assure me that it did not seem to be painful to the hen, and that after staying in a box for a few hours, it was always put out with the rest of the chickens, none the worse for wear. My consternation must have been evident. For she went on to tell me, Now you mustn't do this yet. Watch your crop, and if it gets badly distended, I'd be glad to come up and help you. Oh yes, the crop was sewed up with common thread. I asked when such distension would be visible, and she said, Oh, in a week or so. A week or so. How would I ever get through a week of this worry? She told me to feel the crop about twice a day and assured me that I would be able to tell. Her advice did help by giving me something to do. The only person to remain on an even keel was Robert. As for having me feel the crop, she loved it. She always had enjoyed having her breast stroked, and this presented no problem. Neither did the bias binding. The crop never became distended. Life went on as usual, and as Robert, and as usual, Robert and nature took care of everything. Several weeks later, a visiting ornithologist told me that I need not have worried at all. He said that a bird's crop can take care of almost anything except stone or metal. I don't recall that he said anything about hydrochloric acid, but there is something in there that eventually liquefies foreign objects. And whatever it is, it did so in this case to my immense relief. However, I saw to it that such an occasion did not arise again. She gave me so much to remember. One day I started to make a pie and had just flowered the Formica countertop liberally when the telephone rang. As I talked, I was aware of Robert's having found something interesting, as I could hear excited little chirps. She had. She had discovered the flower and must have liked the feel of it on her feet, though how she could feel anything through that finely armored-plated plate, armored foot is beyond me. Such a pattern of coil tracks. By the time I got to her, she had gone on to bigger and better fun. A shallow bowl in which were two cups of sifted flour. If she hopped and it must in in she hopped and it must have felt like a soft bath to her. Flour flew all over everything, including me, when I grabbed her. I wiped her off with several pieces of Kleenex and started over again with my pie. Only once did I see her do anything, which I thought was done from temper. Not real temper, perhaps, but Robert had certainly been provoked. This time there was someone with me who, by the way, did not see any funny side to it at all. It was the mother of a little boy. I had been going over his schoolwork with him, and on this particular day, the mother had come by herself to discuss the results. She had brought all this, all his school reports, as I had asked her to, and they were, these were spread out on the table in sequence. Robert was on the table as usual, and two or three times I had to gently push her away from the papers, explaining to her that these were not for her. She retired to the edge of the table and stood there looking at us, Less that time than it takes to write it, I saw her walk up to her glass of he ate, turn her back to us, and calculatingly grasp the edge of the glass with her claw and tipped the whole thing over the reports. The woman yelled, Oh, you bad bird, look what you've done. I flew into action getting things cleaned off and mopped up. And Robert, who had never had a crossword said to her in her life, disappeared. When the interview was over, I escorted the mother to the door and, peeking in the front bedroom, saw Robert up on the Bible, sulking. She was the picture of a sulk, with feathers hunched up and head down. As soon as she saw the stranger's car pass the window, out she came, as gay as a cricket. All was forgiven. But at that time, I had to wash the blanket on the Bible, for she left very tangible evidence of having been upset to quite a degree. While on this subject, I want to record that never once in the three months she was with me, did she ever make a mistake on a shoulder or in anyone's arms. Luck? I don't think so. I think Robert just knew. Two institutions profited greatly by her visit. One was the Eastman Kodak Company, which must have been able to declare an extra dividend that fall. Robert was as cooperative a subject and the patio such an ideal spot for photog- photography that many people became shudder happy over her. I watched one woman use up three entire packs of Polaroid film in less than an hour. The other profit went to the overseas airmail people. As well as I thought I knew Robert before she came, as well as I thought I knew I was equipped with knowledge of just how to care for her, many things came up demanding a letter to her family and an immediate answer. For instance, was it all right for her to have cantaloupe seeds? She was avid for them when she first saw them, and I was afraid they were too large for her to handle. Back came an answer saying it was perfectly safe. I think if Mildred and Tommy had not been such gentle, courteous people, they would have often they would often have written, How many times we have to tell you that Robert knows what is good for her? Their first letter to me mailed on their arrival in London was just what would be expected. How was she? Was I having any trouble? Was she eating well? They had thought of her almost constantly while on the ship. Another air mail letter came the next day, after they had received my letter awaiting them at the hotel in London. Such relief. After that, they relaxed and enjoyed the trip. They must have been amused at some of my many minor concerns, but they always answered immediately and reassuringly. I found myself getting a bit anxious by the time uh, their return was only a week or two away. Everything had gone so well, it was so nearly over, that I asked nothing in the world but to be able to hand Robert over in a state of good health and happiness. At last the day came, and what a reunion. I'm sure she knew them, and she left no doubt whatever. That she knew her own home that she knew her own home when she was put down on the familiar Davenport. At first she just looked around, then she hopped to the floor and made her tour of inspection. All was well. She took up life and living there exactly as she had left off three months previously, with one exception. She would not take any V8. Water and orange juice presented no problems, but V8, which had been almost a staple and so good for her, she would have nothing to do with. One day, when I was over there and watched her turn away from it when it was offered to her, an idea struck me. I immediately drove back to my house to fetch the little squat glass in which I had always put her V8. which set it on the floor and tapped for Robert. She spied that amber glass and ran to it as fast as she could and drank and drank and drank. From that day, it was it always had to be in that glass. I had sent the balls of mohair yarn home with her to replace the red velvet velvet hat she had rejected, and she continued to use them as her bed. The garden shoes once more became her place of refuge when she was alone, and all else was, was as it had been. She did not visit me again until the following Thanksgiving, just about a year after she had left me. There was not a minute of readjustment, and from then on, she had two homes and knew it. She needed a second home occasionally after the grandchildren acquired both a puppy and a cat. She always seemed to enjoy those visits, after all. A change of scene now and then is acceptable to all of us. So why not to Robert? It always makes home sweeter on return to it. <laughs> it's a happy ending to the to the travels. And um, I think it's fascinating how animals do know how to play a game and that they invite us to uh, participate in the game with them. It's always cute to see. I love you guys.